so I'm very pleased to hand over to my colleague uh, Hannah Beeman to talk about Socialism. Thank you. Okay, everybody. My name's Hannah Beeman. I'm the Online Communities and Web Development Manager for SocialLearn. So what I'll be running through today is, first of all, what is actually SocialLearn as it launches out to students, staff, alumni, academics, associate lecturers in April, and it launches out to the world in June. So what SocialLearn actually is, it's an effectual learning space that socialises our current OER um, offering. So at the moment, someone can come inside OpenLearn, take the material, and they can learn it. Um, but what we actually want to do inside SocialLearn is add an extra social layer to that so they can actually talk about it, discuss it, rate it, review it. Um, they can share it, they can put it inside a learning path in a different way. So why should we do it? Well, we want to put our students at the centre of their own learning. And Hefke have talked a lot about technological advances and actually putting students at the centre of their learning so they can actually learn what they want to do. So inside social learning, this is what we'll be doing. Through the number of different tools, for example, the recommendation engine, it will actually seed your activity and your data and it will work out what it should actually be telling you about. So if you're interested in uh, the MBA, it will surface up inside the recommendation engine, everything to do with the MBA inside SocialLearn. If, for example, you're crazy about penguins because you've seen Frozen Planet, it will only surface up to do with penguins, climate change, Frozen Planet. So it's constantly working to you. So how this actually works is that once you come inside SocialLearn, you can actually launch a tool called a backpack. And a backpack basically is a toolbar that sits at the bottom or at the side of your screen and you can take it wherever you go. So you can drag and drop things in, just like in Stumbled Upon and Delicious. So you could be inside OpenLearn, you could be taking all the content that you're interested in inside OpenLearn and pop it into your backpack. You can then also open up the backpack in the VLE. So it could be that you're learning financial strategy and you want to, say, open up the article on the double-dip recession, what's happening in the US, um, are we going to bail out Greece ever again, things like that. And then you can actually learn it alongside your formal learning. You can then use your apps inside your backpack to rate and review it. So if I'm on, say for example, the OpenLearn page on a Frozen Planet, and I open up my backpack, and my backpack will go, hang on a minute, a thousand other people have also looked at this page, have also rated and reviewed this page, then I can actually see their ratings and reviewings through my backpack. So this actually then demonstrates to me which pages I should actually be looking at. But the difference about the backpack is it actually works outside of OU Presence. You can take it with you wherever you go. So I could be on the BBC website, Harvard Business Review, National Geographic, looking up things about penguins. I can take my backpack with me. I can carry on dragging and dropping. I can carry on rating and reviewing. And then when I've got all my links and all the information that I want, I can go back to social learn. I can put them into learning paths. And learning paths are step-by-step -step, um, learning guides. So what happens is I can have a step-by-step -step guide to fluffy penguins. And I could have a different step. could be from Wikipedia, OpenLearn, the BBC website on Frozen Planet, National Geographic. And I can put it all together. I could put it together about my formal learning. Maybe I'm looking at a, a particular qualification. I could take all the content that I have found inside OpenLearn for all the different modules and I can put it all together. And then what I can do is I can decide who I actually decide to share it with. So I can keep it all to myself. I could share it out to a particular group of friends, to a community, to the world. And once I start sharing it out, it is subject to rating and reviewing. So they could take my learning path on fluffy penguins and say, Hannah knows nothing about penguins. She's missed out on massive sections about emperor penguins. I can take a copy of that learning path. I can edit the copy, add in the steps that I think are relevant, and share it back out. 
And because it's open to rating and reviewing, the crowd will decide who is the best learning pass. <coughs> so when you're looking at two learning paths around fluffy penguins, and one of them has three out of five, and one of them has five out of five, then you're obviously going to study the one that's five out of five. So this actually helps in this respect. You can actually then also as well share them into communities. And I love fluffy penguin community, maybe a business community because you found um, business material that you might find quite interesting. And then also in the communities, this is where like-minded people can actually get together and chat around a particular set of subjects. So we can actually have communities on three different levels. We can have an open, open community, which means you can see the community, you can see it inside of it. So, for example, the business school wants an open, open community. Then you can actually have an open, closed community. So you can see the community, you can't see inside. So in this respect, business school, again, are quite interested because they want to have an MBA community, one for MBA alum, people that have got their MBA qualification, they want to demonstrate that there's something there at the end for them, but you can't see inside because you haven't got an MBA. So... The other one that you can also have is a closed, closed community, which is super secret squirrel. Nobody knows about it until you're actually invited in. So you can actually use closed down communities to work on projects with different partners, to work with different institutions. You can actually then use closed communities for mentoring. Maybe you're mentoring a number of members of staff. Maybe it's a training and development community. So you can actually decide the privacy setting of that community. You can also post events. So just like on Facebook fan page, you can post an events page. It could be that you're having an open day and you want to put an event page up, you can invite people in. And then they can actually see who else is coming. Yes, no's, maybes, just like inside Facebook. You can start posting before that event. Start talking about what is it that is actually going to be happening at that event. You can actually poll the people, ask them what it is that they're coming for. So say it's an open day at a regional national centre or on campus. And you ask the people what is it they want to come and talk about. And it could be because it's 2012, they want to talk about fees. And a large number of people saying we want to talk about fees, then we take that advice on board, we make sure that there's somebody there to talk about fees, and we let them know. Then people then can see that that is what they're coming to talk about, that their questions are going to be answered. It also means is then you can actually use the events page to follow up afterwards. You can post pictures, slideshows, videos, anything that's actually happened at the event. So people that have missed the event have not missed out. Then they are more likely then to come to the next event because they actually know what it's all about. Also as well, like I said, we're mentoring. You can actually do that in a closed-down community. That could be staff um, with other members of staff. It could be that there are alumni with students, not academic mentoring, but basically understanding what it's like to be an open university student. So they did a piece of work recently inside the business school where they took 50 alumni of the MBA and 50 stage one MBA students and they paired them up as mentors and saw how many of them then went through to stage two, so forth and so on of the MBA. And they did this through email. But what happens if we could build them a community inside a social learn so they can come together as a collective unit there share best practice there share information there but then take it on a one-to-one -one, one-to-many basis in either a small community or just through private messaging inside social learn and the other tool that we're actually working on is something called the recommendation engine and what the recommendation engine does like i said it sees your activity so it knows that i'm interested in the mba so it goes, hang on a minute, you should talk to these people, go to these events, look at these communities, look at these learning paths, these questions, maybe you could actually contribute here. But then if I change my mind and say, actually, today I'm interested in fluffy penguins because it's a Saturday, I've got a study day off, the recommendation engine will change. So because normal pattern behaviour is that you'll look for everybody that you know inside a social community. 
So I'll log in as a student, I'll look for everybody I know from my tutor group forum. And then when I move my next tutor group form, I'll look for them, and so forth and so on. But it's actually about broadening horizons. It's actually saying there's more people out there than in your tutor group forum. What happens if you're joining social learn and you know nobody inside the OU because you're not a current student? Well, then who do you start to talk to? And this is where the recommendation engine comes in. And it says, based on your activity, talk to these people, go to these events, look at these communities. So it starts to broaden up their horizons there. So, like I said with the online communities, there's lots of different advantages in having the different security settings. Because then you can decide who you want to talk to and at what level. So, we've been working away on a new social learn. There is currently a social learn available. Um, and that's why we're creating a new one, because unfortunately it's not very intuitive. So we've been working on that and building up the UI so it's actually easier to use. But the technology is remaining the same. So the question is, of course, what is it that it looks like? Well, everybody gets a profile page. You put in your own avatar. You tell me what is it that you're uh, thinking about, what is it you're learning about, general information about you. And the part at the bottom, if you can just see at the fold, it says what I can help with. So that helps with mentoring. I am not asking for any personal data apart from your name and when you set it up your email address so we can send you any notifications. I don't need to know how many dogs you have, who you work with, where you work, where you live, none of that. And the reason is because the OU actually coded this themselves. There is no third party involved, which means there's no third party advertisement involved. So we don't actually need that data for anything. We just need to understand your learning data. So when you actually look for someone's profile on SciSocialLearn and say I'm looking for somebody's in particular, I will only see the left-hand side. I don't even see the right-hand side. I do not even see what activity that they're doing until they're my friend. And inside SocialLearn, there are two layers of friendship. You can have friends, which is two-way, just like inside Facebook, or you can have followers, which is one-way, just like inside Twitter. So you can have, say, for example, an associate lecturer, and they have particular problems when it comes to students on Facebook who track them down and want to be their friends. And they can't understand why the associate lecturer does not want to be friends with them and share pictures of them on a Saturday night. I have two Facebook accounts for this sole reason. So, when they actually find their associate lecturer, all they see is what happens on the left-hand side. There is no pictures of them on a Saturday night. They don't need to know how many dogs they have, anything like that. And then the associate lecturer can decide the level of their friendship. They can be friends or they can be followers. An associate lecturer, for example, a member of staff, an academic, may want to keep their members of staff academic community as friends, but their students as followers. So when they come to share something like a learning path that they've found on social learn, they can decide who to share it with. They can say, it has nothing to do with my academic community, but it is for my students, I share it with my followers. And they can actually start to divide things up. So when you're a follower, you only see the activities for followers. You don't see the activities for friends and so forth and so on. So you can actually start to divide it up. You also then can organise your learning. So like I said, you've got all these learning paths. And I say, for example, like MBA's Fluffy Penguins Web Development. I can form them all into what's known as collections, which is basically a posh word for a group of stuff. So I can have an MBA collection, and inside that can be a number of MBA learning paths, the groups that I belong to, the people that I belong to, ring-bound, MBA. And then I can have one for fluffy penguins, one for history, so forth and so on. Because the difference with social learn is there's no expiry date on the account. So unlike in student home when they get a three-year expiry date, this doesn't exist inside social learn because we're not housing any data. 
no personal information. So you could actually join at the age of 18 and leave at the age of 90, and you could have 100 different collections because your learning pattern has changed over the years. I've now finished with my MBA, I shelved that to one side, I am now onto history, and so forth and so on. So the recommendation engine will constantly change for that. Also as well, with social learn, you don't need an UKU to log in. So you can actually log in using a Twitter, LinkedIn, um, Facebook, God, remember them all, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Google Plus accounts plus an UQ if you want. So we could actually have people that are not actually at the stage yet of becoming a formal student, haven't actually rang up yet and asked for a prospectus and therefore been logged on our system, and they could be inside social learn for years before they get to that point. But they're part of our community, they're digesting our material, they're understanding the proposition of what it's like to be an OU student. So you can actually organise your content and collections. So in the Explore tab, this is where you find stuff. The activity stream in the middle is what's coming through from your friends and followers that are sharing information with you. So you can find things there. You can filter things down on the left-hand side. So if I'm looking for a video about the MBA, and I know it was posted last month, I just look at all activities, video about a month ago, and it will find it for me. Meanwhile, the recommendation engine on the right-hand side is ticking over. And it's saying, hang on a minute, you're looking at MBA, I will surface MBA. If suddenly I become distracted by another video of penguins moving rocks, then it could be that the recommendation engine will kick over and it'll say, surface only stuff up to do with penguins, frozen planet, climate change, so forth and so on. So through here, on the activity stream, just like with Facebook, I can rate things, comment things, review things, I can drag and drop stuff into my collections. I can keep adding as I go. You can also then as well organise through communities. So it could be, like I said before, you only share stuff with particular communities. You can look for, say, business content only in the business school community. Not bother with searching for it through the Explore page, but just see what everybody else is rating, reviewing and talking about in that particular community. And then this is the search engine. And what the search engine will do is it will search anything made public inside SocialLearn. So that means anything. So, if, for example, someone has built a learning path and it has a mixture of OU and non-OU content in it, third-party found content, it will surface inside our search engine. And where this is interesting for us in particular is that we can actually look at that search engine results and see is what actually is trending at the moment. So it could be that there is a particular article, a particular learning path that is trending right now that either has some OU content in it or none at all. And the question is then, of course, why is it so popular? So for the first time ever, we'll be able to understand what people are taking out of our OER catalogue, and we'll be able to understand what they're not taking out of our catalogue, what they're taking from elsewhere. Because at the moment, we don't know what they take from elsewhere. We know that they're on our sites, and then they go away again. But in bringing it into social learn, we can actually understand what it is that they're looking at. And then actually ask the questions, why? So is it because our content isn't good enough? Is it because uh, we don't have it? or we're not surfacing it properly. Because it's housed somewhere in a website that they're not aware of, that I haven't found myself. And then this actually raises these sorts of questions. So if we already have it, do we need to work on it? Do we need to surface it better? If we don't have it and it is trending like crazy, maybe we should actually have something. This also works as well for the recommendation engine. So if, for example, learning paths are constantly coming up but have stuff that is partly ours or not ours, then we can actually ask these questions as well. What happens if a faculty has been asked for their module to use third-party found content within their module? Well, where do they begin? So we can actually look at the search engine results, see what is trending, what is being rated and reviewed by the crowd, and see whether or not that would actually be a good idea to put into our module. We could then build a learning path of that module 
and put that information inside and say to Social Learn Public, based on their feedback, their interest in it, this is what we've actually produced. If they've learned that piece of material and find it really interesting, then they then might actually go on to learn the module because it's actually got it inside. So, in Create, they can create a thought, which is like a status update inside Facebook. It could be, I am learning this, I'm on my way to my tutorial, I'm at residential school. They can also post a question. They can ask, is the MBA worth £17,500 a year? It's a really good question. It's one that is asked a lot on LinkedIn. And the thing is, it's £17,500. So if I have a car and I want to buy one, and I have £17,500 to buy it. I will ask friends and family what they drive. I will look on review websites. I would read which car. I would watch Top Gear, learn nothing. I would then go down to the dealer. I'd then take it for a test drive, and then I'd buy a car. An average gestation period of buying a car that depreciates year on year is two weeks. An average gestation period for buying an MBA or registering with an MBA through the OU is 18 months. So, if we surface up a social layer that has the content out of OpenLearn in step-by-step, -step, in a module, uh, in a learning path that has the whole qualification of the MBA, so they can see what content comes in the MBA, and the last step of the um, learning path is the call-to-action button, which drops them on F61, the MBA registration page at study at the OU, does this shorten anything? In asking these questions to the community, in talking to current students, to alumni, does this help with their learning decisions? So this is something that we actually want to look at. They can also post their own paths there, their own events. Maybe they want a study get-together. Maybe they want a post-exam party. It could be absolutely anything. So this is what the recommendation engine looks like stretched out. So it says, based on your activity, go to these events, talk to these people. Join these communities. Look at these learning paths. It constantly opens up based on your activity of behaviour. So why do we do it? So I've been talking a lot about pre-registration students. Gives them insight into the OU. Helps them understand what it is that we're doing. Surfaces up everything that we have across all the different websites. So we can actually mix up inside a learning path. Something from OpenLearn, something from iTunes U, something from YouTube, something from Study at the OU. Could be absolutely anything mashed up together inside a learning path. So it helps students, for example, that are flexible alternatives, that are going to take gaps. And they can still be inside this community, even though they currently do not have a tutor group forum. So we can keep them inside the OU. Helps my knowledge pursuit students. They're the ones that can't afford to be with us very often. They will study module by module, not by qualification. These are my unpaid marketing team. They're the ones that are more likely to be in here, making learning paths, learning informally, Fantastic. The more they do that, the more my recommendation engine kicks over, the more it helps the full formal students, the career enhancement, the flexible alternatives. Because they are actually seeing what knowledge pursuit students are actually creating. This may actually help their decisions. And it also helps the postgraduate. How do I get from being undergraduate to postgraduate? What do I need to do to get an MBA? If I have a master's, what is it I need to do to become a PhD student? We can surface up these learning paths. They can actually be with us for a 10-year gap between being an undergraduate and a postgraduate student and still be inside our community. Um, and it also, like I said, connects up. Connects up networks. So for the first time ever, existing students in our domain, not inside Facebook, can talk with alumni, can talk with academics, associate lecturers, people from the learning informal community. Helps with progression. So, like I said, helps them pick with pricing structure changes. Which elective should I pick? They can ask social learn. They can actually look at the open learn material inside social learn and talk about it there. Put it into a collection. 
It also helps with retention. We can actually surface up things that are actually available to them, like CPLD, which you can't really find very easy inside study at the OU. And we can actually put up learning paths, step-by-step, snippets of CPLD, surface it inside an alumni group and see if they actually then go through and register it. Also works for internals. So it's not just for um, current and prospective students. It helps build knowledge networks. You can join communities inside social learn to maybe work on bids for funding. It helps with staff development and induction plans. So what can actually then happen is you can actually go away on training, build it into a learning path, share it with your team when you get back, have a new member of staff join. A member of staff could be away on maternity leave. They can pick up the learning path, carry on business as usual activity. And then academics can actually pilot new content and new structures. So if we have an idea for a module, we can actually, or a qualification, we can put it inside a learning path, a sample material, farm it out to the social learn public and say, what do you think? If it doesn't take off, we bin it. It didn't work. But then I haven't wasted any time with academics, module teams, productions, getting it through to study at the OU, getting it launched. I've just sort of an idea, seen if it worked, and it didn't work. If it does work, then we have statistical evidence that maybe we should actually be looking at it. And then it also helps with learning behaviours. So how people learn inside the VLE is very different to how they actually learn in social spaces. I've worked with students inside Facebook, LinkedIn and Twitter now and they will surface up that they do not understand something inside Facebook to a potential of 850 million people but they will not say it to 15 people inside a VLE. So this pattern behaviour may surface inside social learn and our job inside social learn is then to say have you spoke to your tutor? Have you posted this on the tutor group forum? Push them back to the VLE. That's where their formal learning happens for those kinds of activities. So we can actually start to facilitate best practice there. Because students that I've spoken to, one of them actually said, when I said, have you spoke to your tutor? She said, I do not want to bother her, to which I answered, that is what we pay them for. That is the job of the tutor. And what she didn't actually understand was that the level of pastoral care that a tutor provides, she literally thought that they post stuff inside the VLE and they mark assignments. When it came to a student, I had a query about a TMA, and I said, did you post something inside the tutor group forum? He said, am I allowed? Because the tutor does all the posting, he didn't know he could post himself. So we can actually farm this back in, say, no, you can actually do this. If, for example, they're stuck and it's exam season, have they seen our study skills website? Have you seen the learning path and exams? Have you seen the booklet? Have you spoken to your tutor? Did you know that there's going to be a forum opening? in your VLE, so forth and so on, and sort of surface up this sort of activity. So I know Ross keeps on telling me what the time is, so I will stop talking in a minute. So basically, like I said, it opens up to um, staff, students, academics, alumni, anyone with an UQ in April, and it goes out to the world in June. Any questions? Talk so fast, it's untrue. <laughs> yes? We are pretty confident. The um, platform actually goes into acceptance testing uh, server on Friday, where we're doing final polish. It goes into technical testing in two weeks' time. So we're actually on schedule at the moment. Will? Hi, Pat. Yeah, very interesting. I'm conscious that there's a a number of OU students that use Facebook Mm -hmm. for the types of activity you're describing. Yeah. And I think... And partly they use Facebook because it's not an institutionally owned service. And a concern for me is 
it will social learning be perceived as an institutionally young service and that we may use their data in ways that they're not comfortable with mm-hmm. or they may not feel free and open to have the kinds of conversations that we'd like. So I just wondered how, how you'd yep. answer that one. Okay. In the terms and conditions, when you sign up to a social learning account, it says what we use the data for. So we're actually using their data not to learn the types of things that Facebook want to learn about them, but basically for learning for the recommendation engine for the search engine. Um, When it actually comes to patterns of activity, I did a pilot with social sciences where we actually created a fan page inside Facebook, branded it up as OU, said it was an OU official Facebook fan page, so OU staff working on it, me, um, and let them actually have a play with it. And what actually happened is within a month I had 7,500 students on it. And what was quite interesting is during that period of time there were less social sciences Facebook groups and fan pages being opened up on Facebook for the period of time that that fan page was actually open. That fan page is still open for that reason um, because it's one way that social sciences can actually talk to the students, farm them back inside the VLE, answer sociable questions. Um, but what was actually quite interesting was those types of questions about tutors and students and um, where and my dog has actually eaten my disc, which I actually got. My dog has eaten my disc, what do I do? To which, before I had a chance to respond, a student said, you can actually access your video content through Student Home if you go to that link. So they will actually do that, but in a sociable space, because they don't feel comfortable doing it inside the VLE, um, largely because their tutor is there moderating, and that's where they're sort of reviewed for their academic excellence. Here, it's optional, it's not mandatory, it's not linked to their assessment at all. So patterns of behaviour suggest that they will actually have these conversations. Tammy. I've got a question from one of our online audience. Um, hello. Social learning sounds like, some, like a sort of GPS for learners, but I'm wondering, does the learning and innovation that can arise from getting lost, wondering about the learning and innovation that can arise from getting lost, does social learning encourage learners to step outside of the most popular and high-rated areas, or does it steer learners, does it steer learners along with the crowd? Right, okay, good question. Um, depending on the rating and reviewing of the learning paths, may actually steer people to look at certain aspects than others. But because we actually surface links inside social learn, we can actually surface that, first of all, our really popular content, but also content that people can't necessarily find very easily, that is still exceptionally good. So we can actually also as well repackage stuff up in different ways. So it could be that we could take something like the um, 60 Seconds in English campaign, and we can take the section about Anglo-Saxons and we can actually mix it up with other stuff to do with medieval history, art, music, whatever it may be, and put that into a learning path. So we're saying if you're interested in that particular aspect, which is very popular, you actually may be interested in these other aspects that you may not have known about. Okay. Yes? Hi. Um, Will asked sort of part of the question that I was wondering about, but in previous presentation, which was on uh, my own so is there any kind of look to, because it's just fantastic as it is, yes. it's another tool and a different looking kind of website mm-hmm. environment to go to for, for uh, our students who are, you know, formally studying yeah. with us. Uh, is there any sort of... In- yes, there is. Uh, Neil Slater is actually on my management board for Social Learn. 
and we're actually looking at what sorts of apps, gadgets, widgets, whatever you want to call them this week, can actually be surfaced up inside MyOU, but we're going to base that on the data of what we're actually seeing of activity, especially student activity, to work out what it is that we should actually put there instead of just randomly picking stuff. Um, and the plan with Inside Social Learn is to look at that in year two activity. So by then we would have a year's worth of data to actually talk to Neil about. Any more questions? Yes. What you were just saying now, you know, we can package up this with this and this. Mm -hmm. Who do we? Okay, so there is actually going to be a core social learn team that will sit inside Open Media Unit from the 1st of August. There will also be uh, moderators that will work inside social learn. They will actually be unpaid student um, or potentially alumni um, users, and they actually do it unpaid, which is actually quite interesting because they do it for kudos. And everyone goes to me, why unpaid? And the reason is, is that the student room is the largest student forum in the UK. And they have 4.25 million visitors a month. And they run that on 56 unpaid student moderators. So we can actually start to leverage, for example, MA and online distance education students. So they can actually work inside social learning, which then actually helps their studies. Or maybe they're interested in web development and they need experience. They could be made redundant and they need to demonstrate something whilst they're actually looking for a job. Or they could be a young student that has actually got their first job. So these are the sorts of people that actually help. Uh, I did a piece of work yesterday with TU100 about this. They're looking at having a community inside social learn, and one of their students is their current um, forum moderator, and he has lots of stuff, um, videos that he's created about the circuit board and what it can actually produce, and he wants to actually build learning paths. So we can actually build learning paths with students and moderators. We can build them ourselves. I'm doing bits of work at the moment with... Um, Open Learn Media Fellows to actually look at what are the priorities within each of the faculties that work within Open Media Unit and how we can actually surface those up in joint campaigns. But basically, the idea is that we have a lot of stuff, loads of it, and a learning path takes about 15 minutes to put together. So they're not high intensity, and we just want to recycle everything that we've got at the moment. Anyone can build. So all the content is coming out of Open, uh, open uh, Learn? Yes. Open Learn, YouTube, iTunes U, faculty websites. There's stuff everywhere. I've been told actually this week that we have 256 websites inside the OU. So I'm guessing that there's a lot of content that I can actually start to access. So this is the sort of thing that we're looking at, but working with the faculties, working out based on results as well. When it comes down to do we have it, why don't we have it? It could be we have it, I just don't know about it. Yes. So when you say it's being launched out to faculty, it's in April. What's that? I mean, I work in a faculty. I've not really heard anything about this. Right. So what, what are you expecting people to do with the faculty? They, they're they're not, there is not a mandatory requirement for any member staff to spend any time in social learn to build anything as part of their job. I've been doing work with each faculty's particular members, talking about what we can actually do either internally or externally. Like, for example, uh, MCT have talked about T100, the business school talked about the MBA, but FELS, for example, are talking about internal training and development. So it varies from faculty to faculty as to what they're looking at at the moment, but it's not a requirement in your role to sit there and spend lots of time. Involved, just telling us about it's it. telling you that it's actually made available because the idea is it's a social networking platform, so the crowd actually start to produce the activity inside. It's not all driven from us because we're not broadcasting; we're just engaging. Excellent. Thank you very much. Before I over slightly, because we had sorry. so many no, we had so many interesting questions. Thank you, Sahana, for 
a rousing finish for the day. Thank you for everyone that's come here, but also uh, the people online. The number's been growing through the, the, through the day, and it's the first time we've done that, so hopefully that was uh, a benefit and interest. Thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you.